Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to your God's Love podcast. This is Haley Helveston. This podcast is all about holistic health, sacred sexuality, and spirituality. I have Mark English here, and he is a... Okay, I'm going to have to start recording again. <laughs> Welcome back to your God's Love podcast. This is Haley Helveston. This podcast is all about holistic health, sacred sexuality, and spirituality. So today I'm here with Mark English, and he is a 4X bank trap trader, a Qigong energy cultivator, agent of change, a trendsetter of consciousness for the divine masculine, and a sexual purity advocate. Welcome. Yes, uh, hey, a glad pleasure to have uh, to be in this space with you. you know, so we yes. Can exchange. Definitely. And one of the reasons why I reached out to you is because you're such an advocate of, you know, talking about spirituality and sexuality. So go into what are you doing? <laughs> okay. So, you know, well, see, spirituality and sexuality is, is, it's really, you know, it's the same thing. And, and the main gist of the message and what I talk about is it's, we, people have this thing where they think sex is a part of it, right? It's a part of spirituality. It's deeper than that. The sexuality is the spirituality. It is the path. And especially for uh, me being a, a young man, okay, I just turned 32 years old. And um, I, what made me look deeper into it was when I actually started doing daily meditations. I started urine therapy. I started cleansing the body. And it was when I got a gist, this was really it. When I actually got that deep understanding as to what meditation actually was. Okay. Because I thought meditation was just this thing where, you know, I'm going to, going to concentrate and I'm just going to be silent and I'm going to, but it, I always, had this difficult time being able to sit still for long periods of time. I would end up just looking at the, at the clock, you know, like, all right, well, I don't know really what I'm getting the benefits from in this. So when I realized, or, or I was, you know, I was guided in a meditation by a good friend of mine and also a, a, a breatharian brother online. His name is Ella Tom Elamine and the other brother here in the islands, he's more hidden. Okay, he's not really out there like that, but he also cultivated to levels where he was just on energy. Now, when I started my first meditation, I started to feel, or my first in-depth meditation, I started to feel this pranic energy, this energy or the presence of this invisible, subtle energy in the air. Now, it felt like a tingling sensation in the palms and my forehead, I felt it circulate in my body. And that's when I realized that meditation being present in the moment, it actually dealt a lot with the pranic nourishment or dealing with circulating cosmic energy through the channels. Now, what got me into understanding sexuality is when I uh, got out of my relationship that I was in for five years and I just, I wasn't, you know, I abstained completely from sex. So when I was daily meditating every day, I was already meditating now while I was in the relationship for two years. But when I stopped having sex and I just was cultivating and meditating and meditating, within a few months, my meditations actually felt more 
electrical, I started to sense more of my energy body. All right, so that's when I realized that there's uh, the elixirs, the, uh, the sexual elixirs in both man and woman, but I'm just gonna talk about it from a male perspective. That's when I realized it was, you know, all the stuff I read in esoteric books, I was actually starting to have a true firsthand experience in, in for like it was one night where I got into a deep, deep state of samadhi where there was cosmic energy pouring through the top of my head and energy permeating every cell of my being to where I had a, to where I started to leave the body consciously. This was the first time I've ever experienced that. I've experienced lucid dreams, but I've never done it to where I left while I was awake. So, you know, I, I so actually kind of- projecting. But yes, but I, I, the astral projecting, I feel like I, you know, when you like go to sleep and you, you know, you do the exercise to, to like lucid dream, I was just in a deep state of meditation. I didn't really like go to sleep. That's the only time I experienced of forms of astral projection. But for me personally, I've never gotten into such a deep state of meditation to where I did not feel like I was attached to my body. So when I so when I felt that rush of energy, this is when I realized on my from my own first time experience, not from just reading in the book, that the body is truly powered by light, this unmanifest light, basically. So that's the, I guess that's the gist of what put me deeper into the spiritual path. Whoa, y'all. Okay. Woo. There, okay. Okay. So let's talk about, okay. So tell me again, are you a breatharian? Yes. No, no, I'm, I'm not. I, mm -hmm. that's the, the goal for me to develop that into that. But I, I do have a friend that did it cold turkey where he just went on urine for like months and months and months. I tried to do that, but I, I got a, I don't, you know, everyone have their own walk. So I'm, I just want to build on whole foods, green juices and stuff, do that for a while. And then I'm going to just, just cultivate and meditate. I, you know, and, and, but I also, like I say, I am in a relationship and she also wants to take that same path using urine and fruits but first being on fruits for a while and then kind of going on that extended urine. And, but we both do Qigong together. We both have trained under uh, uh, the same Shifu. So I've learned four different styles of Qigong. So the goal is to just kind of cultivate and cultivate and just gradually get there and not try to just kind of do what someone else did. Because, you know, I feel like I, for me, I felt like I was trying to rush it. You know, so I'm just taking my time. But can I go a long period of time without food? I, I, if I need to, I can. I believe I can. But I just rather just take my time with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I want to. I'm glad we're talking about this though, because I, you know, I think I follow the same person that you mentioned on Instagram. Ellie is what is this? Yeah. Ella Tom Elamine. Ella Tom Elamine. Yeah, his page is very interesting. That whole stuff is very fascinating to me. But I do think it's very important because I watched the video on his, the link on his Instagram, and he right. did make a point, which is what you're saying in the sense of, I, you can't just all of a sudden, like for me, be like, oh, I'm just going to be a breatharian. 
because I'd probably die, right? Because I had food yes. last night and the day before. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So what you're saying is, is like, if you're going to commit to it, do it in like a systematic way. Right. Now there's been people that have done it in a much more accelerated rate pace, but you see, from hosting different med- me from hosting different meditations with different people, you realize that each person inherits a different amount of chi. Not ev- is you, not everyone is born equal, I, and that sounds good, but I found that like certain brothers that I've hosted a meditation in, they were so high in chi already they would shock themselves. And they were, they had very peculiar ways of, you know, like they, they had this strong magneticism, very successful men. And with compared to other people, not trying to say there's levels to this, but you do inherit a certain amount of chi. So, it, but I, I can't determine how much you inherit. So someone could do it at a, and maybe at a quicker pace. So that's why, you know, it's like a marathon. You know, but I, for me, I rather just on the safe side, you know, I just rather build gradually and gradually. And, you know, and the goal is for me, especially as a man, is to abstain for quite some time and, you know, do the Shaolin breath work as well, where I do rise the energy up to the brain, you know, where, you know, when we do this reverse breathing exercise and then you push the PC muscle up. And you're basically pumping the chi up to the brain and you're transmuting, you know? So it isn't just, well, uh, when I even talk about like abstaining or celibacy or what we call food freedom, it's, it's supposed to be a pleasurable experience, even when you're detoxing, because you still have that, con- that connection to energy and you know where this detox is taking you. So it, it isn't just, even though you may have discomfort, Mindset is what really gets you there. So, and I want to go into this too about the fact that because I love meditating, I did a. Do you know Joe Dispenza? Uh, no. Okay, well, I went to a meditation conference last year, so I think talking about different types of meditation is really fascinating. So, go into what you're saying about the whole thing of when you're meditating, you feel like energy and you feel it going through. Like, does that? Like you have to cultivate that or does that happen right away when you start meditating? Well, usually uh, I, I just did a meditation yesterday morning and I got another one I host in later this evening. It's just free. And just about everybody usually feels, they feel it. They do feel the presence of the prana and the cosmic energy in the air. It's just, you know, we, it's just these specific mudras that we do where you could, uh, it's kind of like a surrender to law, to the laws of life. So with the, this style of meditation, it's no breath work, all right? It's just in and out the nose, tongue to the roof of the mouth, and you do these specific mudras with your hands, and you start to, over time, it, I do about 30 to 40 minutes, but they start to feel some of the presence. They start to feel that energy body. Some, like, and you know, it could start off as very subtle as a tingling sensation in the palm and the face and the neck. But you see, when you dedicate to it every day, every day, like what I did, I dedicated every day to it for years and years. 
my meditations now, I feel the energy all over. I feel it at the top of my head. I feel it coming into the palms. I feel it all over my face, navel coming up the soles of my feet, but it didn't start off that way. All right, it started off like uh, about almost four years ago. It was just really kind of here a bit and I had to really kind of really take my time and relax and concentrate. But now I feel it throughout the day. Like your life starts to become meditative. You know, like it starts off to where, you know, I'm going to sit, going to get in that meditation stance. But over time, because you've been doing it so much, naturally, I could just be driving. I could be walking, be talking, and I could just bring, sink my breath into my lower Dantian. Right here is where the energy is stored right here. And I feel my energy body, like just like that, you know, so um, I, but I do, um, I do think that consistency played a part in it, you know, where you, because as you dedicate more to the light, it even starts to show you like the very habits, the very subconscious programs that cause you to leak out the energy. So it's one way to meditate and cultivate, but the mastery lies in sustaining it. So I was realizing I was feeling it, but I had habits that was passed on from culture, from my parents, that then would kind of dissipate it, or I wouldn't really feel, like even though I would be cultivating my light body, there would be some blockages to truly feeling it in my physical body. Okay, so go into this, like, what are the habits? Because I wanted to talk about this, too, in terms of the, what habits do leak the energy? Well, well the main culprits to spirituality for humans is the addiction to food and sex. Food now, see, sexual transmutation, it's more doable when you get the food aspect in, in, <laughs> in line. So, so I would see how, for example... When I would, uh, you know, me being in a relationship, when I would make love, but if I ate like a meal, like or a big meal, like right before, like to try to, it took in so much effort and thought to try to like keep or to try to keep the energy and to try, okay, all right, I'm about to ejaculate, let me hold it in, compared to on an empty stomach. So I, I, I started to notice in a fasted state, it was much easier. To, to do the breathing patterns and to do the, the sexual, like, you know, how they'll teach in cosmic sexuality. Well, you know, you would you'd be making love and me as a man, I would be able to hold it in better based upon what I ate or, or how early or, or the time I ate it prior to making love. Now, were there times where I still did it? Yes, but I noticed it was much more easier. And, and there were times because of, of, the food, I would kind of feel muscle spasms, okay? Uh, that would, so I, sorry, which I always call it the wrong time. So I would feel like there were times where I would feel muscle spasms because I experiment a lot. Like I don't just, you know, just read. Like I would actually experiment, do the breathing, you know, see how I feel in this fasted state compared to how I feel when, when you know, when I ate a pretty heavy meal. So for me, I realized that it, food, the combinations of food, the addiction to eating, 
even the addiction to lustful thoughts, or even what they call the seven deadly sins in the Bible. I, I see how the not having the mental, spiritual virtues could, you could cultivate, but if you don't have those virtues in place, you wouldn't necessarily like get to certain levels. So the practice is one thing, but then there was a whole holistic sense, a, a holistic thing I had to, to learn along the way. You see, and it's obviously that's just from kind of, you know, messing up, you know, but I still dedicated to cultivating or meditating every day. I always felt the connection, but I would feel, oh, you know, I, well, okay, I ejaculated. Okay, let me try to meditate myself out of it. And, and I would feel it, but it wouldn't be as intense compared to when I went a long time without orgasm, orgasming or, or stuff like that. So, and then it was also the emotional, like, you know, my father passed away two months ago. So I started to see certain childhood programs awaken for me to try to cope with that. So it isn't even a bad thing. It's just we've developed these coping mechanisms and they've helped us in childhood. But when you start to wake up to energy and become more uh, uh, sensitive to the subtle energy, I would, I would know that, okay, I'm, I'm having this connection, but I have to allow it to integrate to make changes or to power up the nervous system in my body, you know, if, if that makes sense. So that there was this integration, like this dynamic dance that I had to, that I, you know, it, it's difficult because, not difficult, but it's almost like a play than a work. Like you're playing, it's this dynamic dance that you learn. And you could say, you could say deep things, you could feel spiritual, but, there's these subconscious programs that you carry with you that kind of make you fold and you fold to it because all your life you've lived that way. So it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a mix of the subconscious programs that I got from my parents and my ancestors and just how I coped with life rather than go grabbing a certain food because of the texture of it so that it could kind of soothe me emotionally. I then had to try to, replace that with better habits of, okay, you know what, let me just sit and accept myself rather than trying to alter myself. Let me sit and accept and allow that energy to come in to transmute it rather than eating a particular food that, that don't really got much life force in it. But because of the texture of it, when I eat it, because of the taste, it could soothe me temporarily, emotionally, if that makes sense. Mm. No, no, this is so good. Okay, you're throwing gold here because I think that the part that you were saying about, you know, that, that makes sense. That's very simple about the fact that, okay, if I have sex on a fasted stomach, obviously it's a better experience versus if I eat a big meal and then have a sexual experience. Because I think that that's one thing that, you know, obviously the viewers listening, this is something that I'm always dedicated to is growing sexually and spiritually. And I think that as a culture, and you did a video on this as well. I was so excited to talk to you about this. Is as a culture, we try to take sex and spirituality and completely separate them to a like whole yes. other level, right? And even make sex like, oh, it's not a big deal, you know. And it's like, what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You see, because I 
that's when I realized it was really something to this in the fact that the blood, I, I no longer, there was a point when I was in a meditation and I, I no longer believe, even though I, you know, we could use it in a way from, you know, just from the medical term, right? Um, how we compartmentalize the body. Okay, we say the liver does this, we say the colon does that. Now, it, it does do these functions based upon the conditionality that we put it under. But the colon and the liver, the, this, the liver's, is, that's not the only function of the liver is to just filter out poisons, just like the colon to just like kind of just excrete out waste. You start to realize how the body is just one big brain. That's it. The brain, then the brain grows and it elongates itself into what you call the spine. And then it grows its tentacles when you look at the nervous system, but it's just one divine intelligence. And the body is just immersed with brain fluids. And each of the brain fluids, since it's an intelligence, at certain parts of the body, it, it, it can carry a function. But what I've realized is the body is working to build itself back into immortality. And the body is working into reject. This is an expression, a condensation of regenerative forces. And when you learn how to sit with the Tao and allow for these things to take place, you realize that there's like a natural order in nature. All right. And that the, the, we just have, because of our cultivated addictions and our culture, we just kind of go against the flow. And you could see, look, you could see that we kind of restrict or we put a dime and kind of restrict this flow of energy. You look, you, you could see how the lymphatic system gets backed up. The blood gets sluggish. All right. So the goal is to get the mind out of the way. And then the body will just be and do its work. There really isn't, there really isn't a path like that. It seems like there's a path. Because when you sit and just self and, and move into that self-acceptance and you feel that cosmic energy, even when we talk about the whole brahmacharya celibate thing that uh, see celibacy it's obviously you know well that's something i'm going to develop as i become more mature on the path late in life but i'm building myself for that because when you look at celibacy it's it's really not understood on the planet not really because you cannot Okay, it's a difference between, okay, you know what? I'm just not going to have sex. I can't find a mate, so I'm just not going to indulge. I'm not going to have sex, okay? That's not really like celibacy like that. It's, it's not, okay? It's just you just can't find a mate. Or if you've been hurt, you know? And you know what? I, I you know, or, or it, there's many different reasons for why people say, you know what? I'm just not going to indulge in that. When we talk about, the brahmacharya path it's it's mainly for you for a greater pleasure okay it's for that interconnectedness to being that conduit to your true self to eternal energy so when you see these yogis move into that path it was not a path of suppression or depriving they have just found a greater pleasure 
that I had felt in that state of samadhi. So that's why I talk about it because I had a glimpse of it. I'm not saying I'm at that level. I'm saying I had a glimpse of it in the times where I do abstain to where I understand what the mystery schools were talking about. I get it because when you realize that you make these decisions to establish a connection to source, there's a saying, you know, I read in this book and it really resonated with me. It's called Thinking and Destiny. And the author spoke about how, you know, the current mystery schools now, like the Freemasons, the Knights Templars, whatever, but, you know, they kind of prepare or move the individual to worshiping a deity, right? It's not truly to bring you upon the path of the great way to the understanding of your conscious immortality. Now, when it comes to sacrifice, so for example, you got animal sacrifice, you got human sacrifice. See, animal sacrifice was, is a degenerative expression of one giving up their, anim their animal passions, okay? Like, you know, you, you have these passions and, you know, most humans, you know, we, we just kind of, in that animal-based consciousness, we're, okay, let's fuck, let's eat, let's look for shelter. That's it. You're cool. You're looking for comfort. That's mm -hmm. fine. But there's a light inside you that constantly wants to expand and grow. That's why the body, the animal expression of the light wanting to expand is an animal procreation. So you can use the sexual energy to procreate. But there's another part to it called suprasexuality. Suprasexuality deals with when you keep that energy for yourself to transform yourself. So human sacrifice in the satanic, what you would call the satanic cults, human sacrifice is a degenerative expression to the giving up of one's animal sexuality, to, to the one's, sorry, to the giving up of one's human sexuality for a regenerate life. So instead of procreating, you then realize, wait, this is, a, a, this is a, a, an elixir. This is, it ain't about the semen or the ovarian fluid. It's not about that because that's just the gross physical condensation of the energy. We really talk, we're not talking about semen or of ovarian fluid or we're talking about the ujats. That's the subtle part of the sexual energy. That's what you start to cultivate in mental virtues and in your yoga practice. And then it gets to a point where they say after uh, 12 years, there were yogis that went 12 years celibate, cultivating every day. And I talking about to where you're not even like lusting. That's how difficult it is. It's not an easy thing, mm -hmm. all right? So it gets to that point where after 12 years, they, the seminal emissions, that the nocturnal emissions that in the wet dreams will cease to start. And then their kundalini or their energy would rise to higher centers in the avatar and they were given, they, were, they got access, easy access to subtle bodies, 
And this could even wake up the door, this could even open the doorway to what the ancient Egyptians spoke about, about conscious death on that level. So it, it was being able to take this sexual energy, this light that wants to expand, it wants to procreate, but there's another way you could use it to where you could cultivate a subtle body or, or at least power up. Cause a lot of times we just kept dissipating, dissipating the energy here in the 3D realm. And you got access to these other ships. So when you just power up and power up and that's where the orgasm comes in, you see? I'm not saying sex, sex in union with a woman is a beautiful thing. However, the highest level in the mystery schools they talk about is celibate level to where now you keep all of that for yourself. That's why this, this path mainly is for elders. And back in the day when we lived much longer periods of time, one didn't really walk on the path until maybe 60, 70, 80 years old. But at, that, at 75, you were seen as a baby though. Like at 75, you still were seen as like, you know, a 20, 30 year old. Because they were living till what, at what age? long hundreds and hundreds of years when was this the golden age if you if you read about the satya yuga the golden age okay because you, you you come into this realm and you will have experiences sex and food is a beautiful experience it's not something that is meant to suppress but let's be real if you about if you were elder and you don't eat that chocolate cake about fifty thousand times you already know how that tastes right it's the same when you know with the orgasm right you, you you made love you made love but then there comes a point where you realize that i came here for spiritual transfiguration and that means it's an integration that takes place there is no matter without spirit and there is no spirit without matter they are both one and the same there ain't no difference the body is spiritual and it constantly is, it's a mini universe. And just like how they say the universe expands, 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 your body wants to expand. That's why it's been designed to procreate. But like I say, there's, when you look at Buddha, the belly on Buddha represents a spiritual pregnancy where both male and female can get pregnant. Because even though I'm a male in a male body, the, this physical body is still feminine. Anything that's physical is feminine. So what does that mean? Anything that's non-physical is masculine. So even though I'm a male, a man, this body is still receptive to higher forces. It's still receptive to constellations. Like we, you know, like, so a lot of the behaviorisms that we carry, I, I, it's, we have human beings have to understand that they're, there are laws that govern human behavior. All right, I don't mean to keep going on. But, okay, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Let me go back here. You, yeah. Are you talking about the universal laws? Pardon? Are you talking about the universal laws? Like how people say the law of vibration, the law of- Yes, um, yes, okay, the, yeah. the principle of gender, the, you know, the mentalism, yes. Yes, and in terms of the fact that what you were saying with conscious death, when you get to that point, how people used to way back when, what they chose to not die is what you're saying? 
Well, well, it's still being done. You still have immortals on the planet. You still have people that live for hundreds of years. They don't come out and say it. But basically, it isn't just where, okay, you live in a physical body, 3D body forever. There have been masters, sacred masters, sacred unions, okay, where they've integrated matter with the subtle planes to where now they, um, okay, let me use this for example. There was this yogi that was on stage and he, uh, you know, he basically was telling his disciples like, look, you know, I'm, I'm leaving. Okay, I'm, I've got to go. I got to go. I've been here. I, I, I done live my life. I done did my purpose. And right on stage, he left his body and boom, the dead body was just left on the stage. He left it consciously. That's what I mean. So there, there, is, there is a cultivation of a subtle body that grows off of the physical body, much like how you have a caterpillar, right? And a, a caterpillar is the ground and soil for a butterfly. Inside the caterpillar is a higher, is a, is a vehicle that could, that where they could explore their consciousness, they could, their consciousness, they could explore the earth rather than just being a caterpillar. So a human being is an incubator to something greater. But what takes place is because we kind of lost the memo and we got entrenched in, too entrenched in earthly pleasures, it dissipates the energy that was necessary for the transformation to take place. The transformation is automatic. It's not based upon your conscious. It was not necessarily based upon your conscious effort. The only reason it requires conscious effort now is because we've degenerated and we need to detox. Spirituality and earth was meant to be fun, a playground. Mm. It wasn't meant to be like, oh, I got to struggle and go. That's what we made it out to be because we've just lived not in accordance with the laws of life. And when I say the laws of life, I'm just talking about simply the principalities of how energy works with matter, how energy interfaces with matter, the true reality, you, the true you, you are not the mind, you are not the body, you are the energy and essence that powers the mind and body. So because of the sins of our parents, the wars, the cataclysmic events, the addictions, the mind and mental and emotional conflict. This started to make the avatar express fear, okay? Fear and not be in that space of unconditional love. The fear caused the essence to work more in a fragmented sense in the body. Certain parts of the brain, certain genetic coding started to shut down. DNA started to turn off, but, but this was not simply just because of a manipulation. It was kind of an intelligent adjustment to come to, to uh, an intelligent adjustment to our psyche. So this is why when you look at the word soma for the somatic cells, the somatic cells are the body cells. Somatic, when you look at the old dictionary, it means mind 
in mental or emotional conflict. So the way our bodies are functioning is based upon the mental and emotional, emotional conflict. The cells are responding to our psyche. They actually think that they're helping us. Even certain parasites you have. Oh yeah, because isn't cancer actually supposed to be doing good, right? Yes, yes. Cancer is, I mean, it's just a radical yeast. But what it's doing is it's just an adaptive measure to the blood being sluggish, not enough oxygen getting transported to the cells. So then it makes this adjustment to prolong your life. So the very things that we demonize are actually, it's actually uh, intelligent, uh, what they call it, the law of vital adjustment. Okay, to where if the body cannot eliminate these poisons and these emotions, what is it going to do? It's going to start storing it away. If it's not eliminating, it's going to store it. So the aging thing is an act of love because the fact that we age, it shows that one, that the body is so intelligent, it's going to store away those toxins to protect the major organs so that you could live as long as you could, even with like not really living in accordance with your true nature. But because you are unconditional love and you do have these regenerative forces backing you up, they give you that love and allow you to be whatever you choose to experience. Mm, this conversation. Ooh. Okay, and then tell me, because we're not actually supposed to uh, be aging, right? We're not actually supposed to die. That's an illusion. No, no, we're not. We're, you, you never really, you never die. You just kind of crash the ship. And then you see uh, your essence, your, your thinking, your feelings, your desires. You still will carry it over into the next life. You still will. Now, the virtues you have in this life, let's say that, you know, this expire, your body expired, and you carry over, you go into the next incarnation. The sexual discipline and purity and purity of the mind that you have here can actually bring forth a abilities into the next life. So certain people that seem so gifted compared to others could well indeed be cultivated virtues from a past life. So it's not a sense that anyone is born with anything, even though it seems that way. So none of the work you do is truly ever in vain. It isn't. Because even as you start to grow and change your frequency and you, you heighten your frequency, you see how it starts to alter and change others. Not with that, you're not trying to change others, but what it does is it makes people self-reflect on their own habits. Because I've seen it where I cultivate energy. I'll go sit next to my sister or around a friend or, and then they'll start to, I don't know, it'd be something up with them. You know, I wouldn't be doing anything, but you will see how then my light, what may be heaven to me could be hell to someone else, you know? So it could be some type of discomfort because they kind of have to face themselves. You see, so, you know, so that's the thing about magneticism. So we're all talking about how, the sexual energy wasn't, at one point, as I said, I did say this in a, in, a, in a video on social media. At one point, I'm not saying it doesn't, it still exists, but it's just far-fetched to, to us as humans.
But at one point in the golden age, Satya Yuga, we were able to cultivate or, or project out another being. That was, a, that was a procreation from yogi and mental power. You could call it virgin birth, whatever you want to call it. But, it, but we, it wasn't a need for animal procreation. Not, not for us. See, the original human was never a part of the animal kingdom. That is a misconstrual of what the uh, metaphysical history actually shows. Now, are there humans that, you know, did the human blood get tainted? Yes, there was an animal mixture. There was, was there beings that may have altered our DNA and all this stuff that people are talking about. I cannot negate from that, right? To say that none of that happened, okay? But because the flesh has been corrupted and they start, and you see, if you read the Bible accordingly or these holy books, they talk about the flesh being corrupted. And, they, and in Genesis 1, it talks about this man, this, this human that, that had dominion over the earth. He wasn't a slave to nature. Then Genesis 2, we talk about a man created from the dust of the ground. The first man was from the heavens, made in the image of the gods. But Genesis 2 represents a man that God said, okay, well, he saw no one was there to till the soil. And he like, look, okay, well, let me create a man that, that, that has more this man then in Genesis 2 seemed to have more earthly elements. Okay, so what that represents, see, see a garden, when I talk about the Garden of Eden, anything that happens of significance to humanity in the Bible, it happens in the garden. The garden is a symbolic story or an allegory of a transmutation of the, of the atom, of the cellular intelligence. Okay, so what we see now is us now in this form, we are actually genetic mutations to an original archetypal design. So if you looked at your ancestors back then, they may look like fucking extraterrestrials, but they are expressions. They are you. They are you. It's just we've changed so much since then. Yeah. So interesting. And then I wanted you to go into that video you did, you know, you did one on pedophilia and you did one on the fact that we are so far down sexually that the sexual, what, it kind of goes into perversion, which ends up in pedophilia. Do you remember that video? Yes, yes, yes. That, the, the sexual perversion and lustful thoughts is really what actually diminished our spiritual power to where we, because put it like this, okay, I didn't say this in the video. Now, we can talk about purity and how purity gives you sovereignty over matter. Being impure then makes you a slave to urges. This is why God, you got God and Satan. God is the, it, like when you go on a detox, it's painful, right? Is the immediate pain that gives everlasting pleasure while Satan is the immediate pleasure that gives everlasting pain. <laughs> so you have one end where you start to see that one could be, it, it could feel like the same thing. It could get a little confusing because in the pain is the deepest healing. In the pleasure 
is the deepest enslavement. So what pleasure are we talking about? And what pain are we talking about? Because not all pain is equal and not all pleasure is equal, okay? So when it comes to the perversion aspect, the sex is the first law. Sex is the law. So by fucking with that, we've really dissipated a lot of the integration of divine intelligence into the avatar. So now the avatar is now bound on earthly elements. So if you look at like, for example, that five point pentagram, right? They call it the satanic star, right? Where it's inverted. Mm -hmm. So that inverted pentagram represents the four on top is fire, air, water, earth. The one at the bottom is spirit. Okay, the inverted pentagram. Mm -hmm. Fire is sight, water is taste, air is hearing, earth is smell. The four sensory organs. Now when, right, now when the sensory organs, as we start to, we, we, you know, from sexual perversion, addiction to food, mental and emotional conflict, wars, genetic manipulation, there's so many different things that took place on this planet, you can't even fathom it, okay? But we are, we have mutated, and we have mutated not based on unconditional love, not of the light. We have mutated on fear, of lust, of gluttony. So the cells will actually start to project that psyche out. Now, the problem is, with that inverted pentagram they call the satanic energy, the sensory organs now dictate to the spirit on what it wants. Nigga, I want some fries. I want some sex. I want some, you know. So, but when you look at the pentagram inverted the other way, spirit now is at the top with fire, air, water, earth. So then you get to the point where matter, which is the technology for spiritual integration, matter then becomes a slave to you. It's a beautiful, it's a, it's a horrible, you know, that saying, it's a horrible master, beautiful servant, right? So with the sexual perversion now, it, it gets deeper and deeper because now you see, if you read this, it's, it's a, I, uh, in my course, so that there's specific books that I have them read, mm -hmm. that are the best that I've found. And it was interesting when it spoke about the yogis that were on the brahmacharya path and celibate for decades and decades and decades. They have cultivated so much energy with the sexual energy, which is the ujas, not the semen, so, so to say. It's the subtle part of the sexual energy, the ujas. Mm -hmm. So by taking in the pranic energy in the ujas, over time, they needed less breath. They needed less oxygen because they were so filled with pranic nourishment and sexual energy, ujas that it got to the point where they naturally breathed less per minute. This is how they were able to then detach from the body because they weren't as bound to the breath. They got into a breathless existence, a breathless meditation. They were able to die every day and come back. That's the levels that it can take to in your purity where you keep more of self, more of your essence because because of the the genetic mutation and the, and the mental and emotional conflict, 
passed on in this genetic stream, less of your essence incarnated each time. Mm. The Gnostics talk about you did not incarnate with a lot of you, only a little portion. So your soul, you don't, you don't have a soul like that. You have a soul seed. It's a seed of potential, meaning your soul is there, but it's mainly in dormant potential. Can you actualize it? Or will those thought forms, will the demiurge, will the archons, will the system, will the, will the nature elements then stop you from realizing your dormant potential? Because they don't want, okay, this is good. Okay, so because the powers that be don't want a uh, society of people that are awake spiritually, right? You could imagine, how could, think about it. Because there's one way, for, you know what it is for someone to get to that point where they have cultivated a lot of their true nature to where they don't even need the breath as much? What type of sovereignty is that over this 3D construct under this hydrogen-based dome or whatever game that we play in? Mm-hmm. See, the beings that are trying to manage us because you do have master programmers of, of, of human beings. They see us as, these beings see us more as an AI, okay? Kind of like an organic AI. What do they call the Andrukins or the, I can't you know, think of the name of them. Well, it, that's up to, you know, it's a lot of different names, you know, to them. Some believe it's the Anunnaki, some say it's the Draconians, the Reptilians, some, some, so it's, it's but what I'm, what I'm referring to is, regardless of the label they put on these particular beings that use human beings as cattle. That's how they see us, as cattle. They see us as resources, hence human resource, right? So you're like a product to them. Hmm. So this is why when you look at, uh, for example, you got engineers that engineer buildings, pyramids, cars, you know, but you got, you also got organizations that engineer, that are social engineers, psychological engineers through propaganda. Their way, their greatest art of deception is through the art of distraction. So all I have to do, it don't matter if it's Black Lives Matter, it don't matter if it's Xbox or if it's Jesus or if it's arguing over who's the purest race arguing over who has the cleanest diet. It don't matter what it is. It's just to take you out of the present moment. That is the manipulation. To take you out of the present moment where you do not interface with those regenerative forces, with your true nature. Because it only grows based on focus. If you never focus on it, if you never become aware of it, it doesn't grow. The, the, the light, and this is something Ella Tom said that actually stayed with me, the, the light is only based upon the value you give it. It, will, it won't expand as much until you give it that focus and value, and it never ends. So they know what you are. And if indeed there are extraterrestrials that did, or that are responsible for the physical form we in, and we are trapped in these bodies, because pe- people saying that, okay, I'm not saying it's true, I'm not saying it's not. We just moving around 
bounded into different parameters of thought. Mm -hmm. The thing is, what we can say for sure is that it, it, based upon the toxins we ingest, the psyche of fear, the avatars, spiritual centers, are in a dormant state. They didn't go away. They're just dormant because they're not being used. Mm. They know that. So if all our life we've been eating cooked food three times a day, and then when you turn puberty, the only thing you learn about sex is from porn. So you get with a woman, you get with a man, and you're just kind of jacking off on each other. Then because of that overuse of the sexual organs, the overuse of digestion, the over, there's not certain minerals that will be created. There's not certain uh, spiritual centers or, or the pineal gland or certain. It's just not going to be used. It's just the essence in the body is distracted from getting out toxicity and over-sexual use. That's mm. the deception. So the goal is to free the energy, to allow it to do its work, to build you back to where you're not a slave to these particular urges, to these emotions, to these false ideas of self. We do not die because of toxicity. We do not die because of, of, of just diets. We die because of self-denial. We just do not understand our true nature. Because at one point, you know, food didn't, but with that essence we had, when we, when we were eating, uh, uh, for example, food was seen as something like, okay, when you go out and you go on a drink, you go on a bar, you know that that alcohol doesn't like give you anything. It just, you're just doing it for fun. So this was the same, was the same for food festivals. Chefs would come and it would be like an alchemy. It would be like fun. You know, you would eat, you know, you have a little food hangover. But you would know that, okay, well, I, look, I didn't eat too much. I, I, I didn't have enough. But now we have, <laughs> it wasn't the fact that we had lustful sex and ate cooked food and meat and all these things. That was, that's not the problem. The problem is we've centered our whole life around it. We've centered a whole culture around it. And we can't imagine life without it. Therefore, the, the law of vital adjustment, the cellular intelligence makes the adjustment and it will do whatever it needs to keep you alive, hopefully. And it hopes, I hope she gets it one day, please. I hope she does. <laughs> mm. Yeah, cause it seems, okay. I want, okay, can you give people simple practices to do? Cause I know we went very deep here. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right, this dude is fine. Yeah, yeah, let's come back to 3D. And obviously, listen, Mark, this is why I love talking with you because I, I mean, we could even do a part two because we didn't even discuss how, some of the questions, but I, um, I love going deep and talking about these topics because it's such an exciting time where people want to grow sexually, they want to grow spiritually. Yes, and, and I just would say, because I've experienced the breathless state, that's why it resonates with me because it was a different type of breath when I was in that state of Samadhi. So I, because I've experienced it, that's why I, it, it led me to all these different things. And I see now the potential that human beings have, you know? So it's uh, the one thing, um, you know, we could do maybe another time, but you know, uh, the simple meditation that, you know, that's, 
that really put me on. And I just did it every day, every day. And then what I realized was that the, the, when you have that dedication to connecting, you raise your magneticism to where then the energy itself will pull parts of you, different people and different teachers to even learn more advanced techniques to, to, to even strengthen the connection. Everyone is connected to source, but it's just like Wi-Fi, right? Like I could have one bar of Wi-Fi and my, you know, I could, I could go through the internet still. It just would take a little longer. Might be a bit frustrating, right? You know, because you're waiting like 10 minutes just for one video to load. Or you could have, you know, the 5G, which is, you know, because they just mimicking the organic world, right? Where it's, it's fast. And, and one person could have a pleasurable experience or easier where they could navigate the internet where one, it could take a long time. It's the same with life. One could have a, it, just like that, ease, have the magneticism things pull into them. While another one got to work so hard to get where they need to. Mm. In terms of the law of attraction, essentially. Yes, and it's, that's just a great way to say that one. See, you could, you could say affirmations, but make sure you're not using those affirmations as a band-aid over subconscious programs. All right, so it's good to when you're in that state of relaxation and meditation. Let's say 20, 30 minutes in, and, and you know, now the right brain is more active, then you, then you could program and, and put into the subconscious, well, I am this, I am that, I am, you know. But, but the main thing is, I just want people to realize that, yo, it's inside you is a sleeping giant. I mean, you, you are the greatest conspiracy theory in existence. There's the, the conspiracy theory ain't what the government doing. That, that, ain't, that ain't even deep like that. Mm-hmm. It's when you start to peel the layers, like an onion, right? You, you peel in the layers. That's what happens. When you learn to sit and accept self and just get on more energy, the energy itself unfolds and peels the layers off of you. You're not becoming. You already are that. You're just taking all, off the thought forms and the trauma and you know, all those things that could be like giving you this false impression of this is what you are. You know, so. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, think about we're taught everything is out here, but it's in here, right? Yes, yeah, that's, that's it. You see the world, you didn't come into the world. The world came out of you. Hmm. Mm. Okay, so what do you want to leave everybody with in terms of just a simple uh, message of... Yeah, just, just to bring it back down to earth. Sorry for getting out there. No, no, I love it. <laughs> you know, and I just want to say to people that I don't... Again, I've had a per- personal experience with the breathless existence with certain... I've had beautiful experiences. But I just want to say, it does not matter what state of samadhi or state of, of, ex, of experience you had a year ago or last week. What matters is the present moment, okay? Being in your center in the present moment. And I just want to say, like, all these things that this system comes at you, trying to make you be scared of the world, 
fearful of the coronavirus, fearful of men, fearful of LGBT, fearful of black lives, fearful of just police. That's what they do. They want you to react emotionally. We react, but we don't act. We don't act from our center. We don't act from our true nature. So when we so in, in uh, overstimulated with stress and emotions, you do not have a good discernment of reality in the present moment. Thoughts and thinking is what messes you up. If you're constantly in the space trying to think to figure things out, you are in a trap. Release yourself from mental constructs. Don't try to put yourself in a box. There's a language out there, an ancient language, and it's a language of energy, atomic intelligence, and nature. You can go out there in a meditative state and you can harness energy from nature and feel that love. To me, that is the greatest foundation that you could develop for yourself. Right. Mm, wow. Okay, so I will place your links below. Thank you so much for being on the show. Wow, this is really powerful. All right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Haley. You know, maybe we should, like you say, we could hop on another one in the future. And, you know, uh, if you, I'll, I doing more meditation sessions. I'm just doing free ones, just as service work, just, you know, people that have an issue meditating because it's not, when you learn how to accept and just allow for the chi flow, the meditations of the energy to flow through you, it's the energy itself that brings you to the thoughtless existence. You don't do it from the mind. You don't try to stop the mind from running. When you meditate, you allow the mind to think and run until it exhausts itself. Let the monkey mind play. And, and then after some time, he can come and sit down with you. <laughs> mm, I love that. Yeah, because we're taught, so many people are like, oh, I can't meditate. I can't control my mind. It's like, yeah, you're not supposed to control the mind. No, no, you don't. You just let, let it flow. It's irrelevant. The thinking, it don't matter if you have the most evil thought, the greatest thought, because it's all irrelevant, because you're not focused on that. It's just like I have this speaker right next to me. It's there, but I'm not focused on it. I have all these things in the, in the, in the room. I'm not focused on it. And it's the same with thinking. It's in my mental space, but it's just there. It don't mean anything until I give it my own light. Thought forms don't have a light of their own. You Which is, what's that quote where energy goes, attention flows, right? Yes. Where energy goes, attention flows. Attention is the power. Transformative attention. Yes. So I, I hope. Uh, so I hope this resonated, <laughs> to some extent. And thank you for having me. Much love. You're welcome. Yeah, y'all. Be sure to um, subscribe to the podcast. DM either of us on Instagram with any questions you have, and have a fabulous day. All right.